two, one. Hello and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast. And folks, I am excited about tonight's guest. This is an interview that is just about a year in the making and one that I am very excited about. Um, and I'll tell you why. Um, growing up in the 1970s, the 1980s, it was amazing for a lot of reasons. Um, and I'll spare you the long list of nostalgic reasons. But uh, one thing that I will point out is that TV was just a much different experience back then. Uh, for one, there was only a few channels. I mean, now it's like, you know, there's a thousand. Uh, I think I had four, maybe five on, on a good day. Um, there were no recorded shows. There was no fast forwarding through the commercials. You had to sit there. You had to be there, you know, to watch TV. And before there was NBC's must-see TV, uh, we had our own version of must-see TV on channel 38, channel 56. Both of those channels are UFH stations out of Boston. And if you're under 35 years old and you don't know what UHF is, look it up. You needed an actual antenna to watch TV. Uh, now you can stream it on your phone. Again, much different. Uh, but part of my after-school ritual every day with my brother and with anybody else who might have been around involved watching a certain show. And the show was a story about a lovely lady who was bringing up three very lovely girls. Uh, that's right. It was the Brady Bunch. Uh, it's a TV classic, groundbreaking for, for many different reasons. Uh, truly a cultural touchstone. Um, and our guest tonight is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, Brady Bunch fans on planet Earth. And she has a super cool website to prove it called BradyWorld.com. Um, we're going to get into all that stuff and much, much more. So without any further delay, please give a warm, no outlet welcome to Wendy Winans from BradyWorld.com. Wendy, how are you? Hi, thank you for that very nice intro. Oh, you're it's very wonderful welcome. wonderful to be here. Glad to have you, glad to have you. Um, you know, I think I've done in the last two years, you know, close to 200 interviews and and I've interviewed doctors. I've interviewed people who have saved 40,000 penguins. I've interviewed comedians, TV actors, movie actors. This one, it really means a lot to me because I swear I've seen every episode three times. And it was such a cultural icon for me and my, and my brother growing up. I feel like it's in my DNA now. So let's get right to it. We're going to play a question game called 20 Questions. And it always starts in the exact same place. So just to give some people some background, what can you tell our audience about BradyWorld.com? BradyWorld.com has been around since 1996. Uh, I have been a lifelong fan of the Brady Bunch since I was a very small child in the mid-90s when the web was just becoming a new thing for everybody. I decided to take all the knowledge I had about the Brady Bunch and put it out there and it started off pretty small, and I started reaching out to uh, all the actors and telling them about my site, hoping that they would come on board. And, uh, most of them have at this point, yeah. and they're really good about letting me know when they're uh, doing public appearances or working on new projects. And we've kind of encompassed all 
anybody who has had anything to do with the Brady Bunch, whether it's the movies, the original show, their guest stars, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there, there, there are a lot of different people that I, I kind of follow through Brady World and share their information. And just as a fan, uh, you can go to Brady World and learn about the episodes, learn about the guest stars, learn about what their projects are today where you can meet them, where you can see them, and stuff like that. It's yeah. just basically an all, all-encompassing world of everything that's the Brady Bunch. I love it. And, I of course, with the, with the breakout of Facebook and Twitter and all that, again, social network, I can reach out on a more direct fashion and just keep the news current. And there is always something going on when it has to do with the Brady Bunch. That's so true. Um, and not only are you what I would consider the foremost expert on the Brady Bunch TV show, but I understand that you have quite an extensive uh, collectible collection, uh, Brady Bunch uh, memorabilia and what have you. Could you uh, could you tell us more about it and maybe tell us your most prized possession of, of all your Brady Bunch stuff? Uh, I do have a wonderful Brady Bunch collection. Uh, it takes up at least one, one whole room in my basement, kind of a museum and, Starts out with the very basics of the lunchbox and all of the different lunchboxes that have come out over the last, again, 50 years. Yep. I've got the Kitty Carriel doll and the board game and <laughs> tons of pictures and stuff like that. It, it's pretty much in here. Yeah. Uh, the Probably the most prized possession I have is a director's chair that was actually... Uh, oh. So the the back part of the director's chair was actually needle pointed by Ann B. Davis herself. Get it is, out of was here. Her, it was her chair. Uh, the front of it's got little flowers and her name on it. And the back has got kind of little stick figures of the Brady Bunch all holding hands. It's adorable. Oh, the happiest uh, housekeeper about, of all time, Ann B. Davis. She was. Yeah. And she was a, a wonderful housekeeper and obviously <laughs> good friend to all the family members. That's right. Uh uh, but talking about my collection, the uh, big news that's coming up, and it, if it's not on this Sunday, it'll be on very soon on MeTV, the TV show Collector's Call, uh, hosted by Lisa Wetzel from Facts of Life, are going to be featuring my Brady collection. No so way. You can see the, you can see the tra- director's chair and all of my memorabilia and find out how extensive it truly is. That is so cool. So wait, is Lisa Lisa Wetschel? Is that um, was she like the preppy one? I forget her name yeah, now. Yeah, she played she played Blair. Blair, that's it. Yes, okay. Another great show. Um, that's yes, so it was. cool. <laughs> and of course, Eve Plum, Jan Brady was actually on an episode, of, or actually two episodes of Facts of Life. She played a stepsister to Blair. Is that right? Wait, I'm yeah, there, there was an. There was an episode where she came out to visit, and Joe got really, really attached to, to her and was fascinated by the fact that Eve's character was going to become a, a nun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I've got to go back and watch that because just that premise alone is great. I, I love it. It, um, it was a two-part episode, and it was called Best Sisters. Oh, that's so funny. Um, yeah. So guys, check and of it course, out. if you follow Brady, if you follow Brady world, you will see anytime that episode comes up and we post that news at the beginning of every week. If, uh, Eve's episode is going to be airing. So like I said, great place to always follow Brady world and know where you can see all of the cast members in their Brady roles as well as their other Brady, uh, other roles. 
I love it. All right, so we're all about safety here at, at No Outlet for the for the safety and health of the No Outlet listeners. What is your professional advice for people who are offered a tiki necklace while on vacation in Hawaii? Oh no. <laughs> Is that a good idea um, well, or a bad idea? I was recently listening to Barry Williams and Christopher Knight's podcast, The Real Brady Bros, yeah. and they were talking about the actual Hawaii episode, and they were saying it's all in the perspective that okay. in in every situation where like where the wall hanging fell on Bobby because right. it was bad luck he was wearing the tiki, tiki, you flip it and say, hey, it was actually good luck he wasn't hurt. Okay, I like that. Uh, same situation when Greg was surfing yeah. uh, and wiped out. He could have been hurt a lot worse. Good thing he had the tiki on. So it's all in the perspective of whether you want to look at your tiki as a lucky charm or whether it's bad luck. Half empty, half full. I love that. And you know what? It is really, what a metaphor for life in general, right? How you perceive things is in large part how they actually impact you. So that, that changes my whole view on the tiki necklace. So I'm glad I asked that question. Um, <laughs> so here's another important one. So uh, again, the, the theme song, which we'll get into the theme song in a second, but you know, Mrs. Brady, right? She's, she's raising three girls on her own, but one mystery of the Brady bunch that maybe you can unravel for us is we never see her original or even hear about her original husband, who she had those three lovely girls with. You'd think with three girls, the dad would somehow be in the picture, but not a mention, not a sighting. What is your take on what happened to Carol's original husband? Uh, the historical answer to that is that Sherwood Schwartz, the producer of the show, yep. wanted to make her a divorce. And because we were talking about 1968, 69, it was too risque for the times to have wow. a divorced woman on television. So the networks wanted to make her a, a widower or a widow, just like Mike Brady was a widower. And the compromise was, we're not going to mention it. We're not going to address it. Uh, so Don't ask, don't tell. Basically, uh, as far as Sherwood Schwartz was considered, uh, Carol Brady was divorced. Wow. So why we didn't hear about the fathers? Because the network wanted him dead. And incredible. I mean, first of all, it's incredible that being divorced was too risque. Like, think about what TV was like. And that wasn't that long ago. I mean, yeah, it was 68, but I mean, 50 years. And, and think about where TV has come today. Like, I could turn the TV on right now, and there's every channel has something that's more risque than divorce. It's, it's oh, quite, yeah. it's something. Wow. So if, if that was the time. Yeah. And, of course, a lot of people credit the Brady Bunch with being the first show to show two married people sharing a bed. Yeah. They, Brady actually weren't the first because uh, uh, Bewitched, uh, Darren and uh, Samantha were shown in a double bed on several occasions. Obviously, Ozzy and Harriet, who were actually married in real life. That's right. Uh, were, were shown in bed. Um, Fred and Wilma Flintstone were shown in bed, but a lot of people believe that the Brady Bunch was the first time that you saw a married couple sharing a double bed. Wow. Well, uh, I actually um, was thinking, because I thought I had heard that before, but then I looked it up and I realized it wasn't so 
I take it out of my questions, but uh, I, I'm I'm sure there's a bunch of people listening that were thinking the same thing. So thank you for clearing that up. Let's go back to Sherwood Schwartz because they don't make him like that anymore. Um, he was an absolute TV genius. He was not only <clears throat> did he create the show, right, but he also wrote the theme song. He also was involved with the theme song. I think he co-wrote the Gilligan's Island theme song, two of the most well-known theme songs of all time. Um, And, you know, my question is is how much do you think of the long-term success? Because you got to say, I mean, there's been a million TV shows since the Brady Bunch, but there's something about the Brady Bunch that just still sticks out. How much of it do you think is the magic of the theme song itself? I think the the theme song is certainly everybody knows it, right. but I think the Brady Bunch is stayed with us for the last fifty years because one, the original show has never been off the air; it's always shown yes. somewhere. It was on TBS, it was on Nickelodeon, it was on TV Land, it was on uh, it's on Me TV now, right? And it's always going on. But more importantly, there have been so many reunions. When you look back at shows like Bewitched and I Love Lucy and all that, they were a moment in time, whether it was the 50s, the 60s, the 70s. And after that, you never saw them. You never heard from them again. Nothing happened. With the Bradys, they came back for the Brady Brides. They came back for a very Brady Christmas. (laughs) They came back for the Bradys. And most recently, of course, as themselves, they came back as the very Brady renovation. Wow. So... To say, a lot of people say, well, I grew up with the Brady's. It's like you did in the sense of their show from the 70s, but you also did because you saw them when they were in their 20s. You saw them when they were in their 30s, and now you're even seeing them when they're in their 60s. Yeah. So we have grown up with the Brady's. For sure. I mean, and and the one show that I haven't seen all of those, but I've seen Christopher Knight had a show and it was like a reality show with him and his, his girlfriend. I forget the name of it, but she was a lot younger than him. And I remember thinking like, he is, you know, he's very normal. Uh, what was the name of that show? Do you remember? It was my fair. It was my fair Brady. My fair Brady. Uh, they, That's it. Yes. They re- they originally met on the surreal life. They okay. were both in the house of uh, season four of the surreal life. And that, got spun off when they became a couple right. and my fair Brady lasted for three seasons um, okay. encompassed them getting together, them getting married and them um, going on with their lives after that into the third season when it finally finished. Yeah. And didn't he also, uh, he, he's got like a furniture line somewhere, doesn't he? Yes. Christopher, Christopher Knight home is his current business. Yep. Um, he also has a brand new business called, Former Prodigy Media. Oh, okay. Which has just released a brand new documentary called True Love the Film, which uh, debuted last week, actually like two days ago, at the Beverly Hills Film Festival. No and way. we're very happy to say they actually got the audience award at the event. It's, That's uh, cool. That people voted for it. Um, True Love the, the film is based on a lady or a young woman by the name of Callie True Love who has Williams syndrome. And the documentary talks about what Williams syndrome is, okay. what a wonderful person Callie is, and how she's spreading love. 
her actual last name is True Love, which is amazing. Um, but one of the things you will find out about Williams syndrome is that most people who have this condition are basically the most lovable people you will ever know about. We, we just talked about how perspective and how looking at something changes things. Right. Well, somebody with Williams syndrome usually finds the good in everything. Oh my they God. So when you first said everybody. Williams syndrome, I thought you were joking. I thought it was, you were talking about like Barry Williams syndrome and it was some kind no. of, no, it's an actual condition. It, it is an actual condition. Oh my gosh. Like I said, check out the documentary when it hits next film festival. Um, and hopefully it will come to a theater near you sometime in the, the future, but it's just been released to the first film festival last week and actually got the audience award. Oh, that's so cool. Um, so that's one of Chris's latest projects that he is working on this documentary. And, you know, and just a quick uh, yeah. comment about all that. I mean, <clears throat> you think about all the other child actor, terrible stories that are out there and, and shows that seemed almost cursed. You know, it's like they had six, six kids, you know, that grew up on TV and you had all these adults. And, and really, when you think about it, they've all kind of done, obviously, you know, Mr. Brady's passed away. That's so sad, but I mean, for the most part, they've all done really well. Like, even Mrs. Brady still looks amazing after all these years. And, I mean, they've all kind of kept it somewhat together. Like, nobody really went off the rails and got, you know, hooked on drugs or was down and out. Like, and that happens so often. I think the math on the Brady Bunch collective kind of still being intact and still being able to make movies and and do shows is pretty incredible. Like, that just shows what kind of people they were to start with. You know what I mean? Uh, they all came from really good families that kind of grounded them. And unfortunately, like all stars, a lot of them did have moments in their history where they got in, involved in alcohol or drugs or sure. whatever. And yeah. they talked about them in their books. Uh, Maureen's book in, in particular, Here's the Story. She definitely talks about how in the late 70s, early 80s, she definitely had a problem with drugs and alcohol. Yep. And she credits her husband, who she met in church, of changing that and pulling her out of that dark spot that she was in and basically saving her life. Wow. Well, that's, that's, I'm... but when we look at so many of the other child stars that have died or have basically disappeared from acting because of their yeah. drug problems, luckily all of the Brady's have come out the other side. Totally. All right. This is a tough question. I'm telling you right up front. It's going to be a hard one. If you could hang okay. out, all right, and I mean like hang out for, you know, a night, a weekend, whatever, with one of the characters of the show, not the actors, right, not the real people in real life, but if you could magically go back in time to any period of the show and hang out with one of the Brady, and it doesn't have to be one of the kids, it can be any of them, which one would you hang out with? Uh, Character-wise, probably Marsha. Because again, okay. she had such the fun life and uh, was popular in school. Sure, she was the cool girl. Did well. Yeah, yeah exactly. Who who doesn't want to be cool? That's right. <laughs> Jan definitely did. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. That's a good answer. I like that. Um, so you mentioned earlier something that it, it was on my list to talk about, and you mentioned celebrity guests. And one of the things is I was looking into the show – a little bit more over the past few weeks and getting ready for this was I was impressed and doesn't really happen this way anymore. How many 
celebrities, they got to come on the show, not just as a character, like Vincent Price came on as a character in the Hawaii episode, and there were many others that played people, but a lot of people came on as themselves. You know, you had Joan Namath, you had Danny, uh, what was his name, Davy Jones. You had a lot of different uh, celebrities coming on at themselves. Of all those celebrities that were on the show, and it, you can include both both categories, people that came on as themselves or that played a character, what was your favorite celebrity guest star for the Brady Bunch? Emma Jean Coca. Okay. Aunt Jenny. She was just uh endearing, lovable, funny actress character. I it, it was it was just in a, that episode actually taught you a lot as well because of course Jan was so worried that she was going to grow up and look like <laughs> And Jenny, because they looked the same when they were teenagers. Oh, my God, so funny. Um, and then, of course, by the end of the episode, when she actually realized what a sweet person she was right. and realized that looks really aren't that important, that she, by the end she was like, yeah, I do hope that I grow up and be Aww. just like Aunt Jenny. Yep. But Emma Jean Coco was a wonderful actress. I like and... that. I like that. That's a great answer. Um, all right, so <clears throat> very different tone. Right when you look at the first season of the show, sixty-eight or sixty-nine, I forget the exact year, to the end. Right, uh, the theme song started off sung by a group, then it was sung by the kids. You literally saw their their clothes change, their hairstyles change, the way they talked. Um, <clears throat> you know what we were watching is a cultural the the cultural fabric of the U.S. was changing right before our eyes, and and the lens was the Brady Bunch. You could just see it happening. You know, you know, Greg had Greg had his like slight hippie phase and he had like the beads and all that stuff. So of all the seasons and the overall arc of the series, what was your favorite period or season in the show? I loved season one. I'm definitely in the minority. Most people, when you ask them what their favorite episodes are, uh-huh. they're going to talk about the Hawaii episodes and the Grand Canyon episodes. And right. I loved season one because it was about bringing the family together mm. and uh, what it was like to, to blend a family and right. just be nice to your siblings and that, you know, that... a very wholesome environment. I like that. I like that answer. And I, and I like that was one of the things I learned. I remembered, I guess I knew at the time, but the only season where there was ever any, like any kind of static about there being, you know, these two families that are coming together was the first season. After that, it was like, they didn't even talk about it anymore. And I, and I kind of like that because they, they beat that drum for a second and then they let it go. And a lot of other TV shows, most uh, other TV shows would just never let go of that. And they'd always want that to be a point of conflict, but it wasn't with the Brady Bunch. And I felt that that was really kind of, in retrospect, really a smart move. Yeah. There's an episode called every boy does it once. It's where Bobby says he's going to run away from home. (laughs) And at the very end of that episode, uh, Carol is standing at the bottom of the stairs um, with her suitcase and says that she's not going to let any son of hers go off by himself. Um, being unhappy but the the best line of that show was the only steps in this house lead up to your bedroom oh that's great i and i look i was part of a a a blended family a a couple of them actually so um 
I, I think that spoke to me as well. All right, so Barry Williams. <clears throat> Barry Williams, uh, a.k.a. Greg Brady, was not only a good actor, but he's actually a very talented musician. Uh, he can play guitar. He's a great singer. He's a songwriter. Um, and, you know, when I think of, and he's such a nice guy, or at least he seems like a nice guy. And when I think about him, and he's now kind of like more into music than anything else, as far as I can tell, how much, my question for you as the expert, how much of a negative impact do you think that Johnny Bravo, the character that he, you know, he was like a, a teen heartthrob type person on the show how much of a negative do you think that had on him trying to become an actual movie, like a, a musician afterwards? Like, because if you're Johnny Bravo, it's kind of like a joke. But then, like, no, I'm really talented. I, I'm, an, I'm an artist. I, I can sing. I can play guitar. Do you think that that held him back at all, or do you think that it was a non-factor? I think it may have held him back a little, but he certainly did not let it stop him because yeah. he left the Brady Bunch and immediately went to Broadway. He was on Pippin. Uh, starting Pippin right after the Brady Bunch. Oh, I didn't even know that. That's cool. Uh, and has a very long list of Broadway musicals that he has done in his career, from Sound of Music to uh, A Christmas Carol to Vic- Victor Victoria. There's a, a huge list of Broadway shows he has done. Wow. Um, and in the last 15 years or whatever, he's he moved to Branson, Missouri, and has had shows on the main drag of Branson where he uh, shared his love of music from the 70s. Good for and him. And has definitely stuck with his music. He also currently has a band called Barry Williams and the Travelers. Him, his wife, and a, another musician that they've brought into it. Oh, that's his wife? And, yes. Oh, okay. I did see a video with, with that group, and, and they're good. I mean, they, they're really good. Uh, so he has continued to do his music, and he got more work on Broadway and doing stage than he has doing television since the Brady. Wow. If anything, the Brady Bunch kind of stereotyped him to where he couldn't find a job on television as opposed to going on to Broadway and doing his music. Interesting. See, that this is why I have you on this show. Because you're <laughs> teaching me. I like this. All right. So the last. Again, everything is at Brady World. They go to BradyWorld.com, guys. Go check it out. I thought I knew a lot about the show until I went there and looked at the trivia. Don't you have like a trivia game of some kind on there? We did. Uh, I, I used to update that about every two weeks. Yeah. And I gave away prizes twice a year. And it just got kind of overwhelming to keep that going. So now I've been updating it about once a month just for people to to go in and have fun. Sure. Yeah, totally. Um, all right. So let's stay on Barry Williams for a second. So the, if I get this wrong, correct me, but I think that the last episode of the Brady Bunch was the one where <clears throat> somehow his hair got like dyed orange, like a weird orange. I think, I think Bobby might've been like dyeing his hair and it came out wrong. And that well, was, Bobby, Bobby was, Bobby was fine, uh, selling hair tonic. Oh, and okay. And Greg was, Greg was getting ready for graduation and agreed to buy one of these hair tonics that turned his, turned his hair orange. Yeah. Right, right. So, and, and then, and that was it. And then that was the last episode. And it almost, and what I've been able to uncover just by poking around is that the reason why it seems like such an, an odd way to end the series and kind of like a non sequitur is they were really just trying to get enough episodes so that they could go into syndication. 
they really didn't want to tie up any loose ends. And on one hand, you could say, well, geez, that's too bad they didn't have like, you know, they didn't finish it off. But on the other hand, I kind of like, I mean, everything was kind of on the surface with that show. They never got too deep. They never got too serious or too sad. Like they touched on emotions, but it was never like way deep or way serious. And to your earlier point, it allowed them to have all these different reunions, like the the Brady Brides and on and on, everything you said. So, you know, my question for you is, you know, what are your feelings on the way that they put that last episode out there and just kind of like that was the end of the show? Uh, well, again, yeah, it almost was a good stopping point because Greg graduated from high school. That was the, the storyline of that last episode. Right. He was graduating from high school. Um, but it was my understanding that back in the day, the standard contract that people signed when they started a show like that was we could keep renewing your contract for five years. Okay. At the five-year mark, everybody had to sign new contracts. Oh. And if, if you read Barry's book, if you read Sherwood and Lloyd Schwartz's book, it all, at, at that five-year mark, everybody started getting a little too big for the britches. <laughs> I'm I'm now a movie star. I, 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 I'm a TV actor. Everybody yeah. knows me. I'm on Team Beat, Tiger Beat, whatever. I want more money. Right. And uh, I- we've also heard about the legendary arguments between Sherwood Schwartz and Robert Reed. Yes. Um, and obviously nobody really wanted to see that dynamic continue on. Yeah. Though Robert Reed came back for every reunion and said that he was part of the show and was going to be their father until the day he died, um, even though he continually fought with Sherwood Schwartz. Wow. But, yeah, and you know what? I think, I think that that's the reason why the show kind of ended right there. Yeah. Because everybody was up for renewal on their contract. It was the end of the, the graduation and I think a lot of people like Eve Plum wanted to go on and do other things. Yeah. Yeah. When they, when they came back in 77 and 76, 77 and did the variety hour, she was actually doing other projects like Dawn, the teenage runaway and things like that. And little woman and yeah. was actually and trying to become life. a very and the facts of life. Well, that would have been the eighties, but right, right. Uh, was trying to become a very serious actor. And the variety hour was not her cup of tea. Interesting. So she, she passed on that and they brought in Jerry Reichel. And of course, Jerry Reichel has embraced being fake jam. <laughs> she loves being, it, it, she loves that, that, that title. Yeah. Um, and has pretty much embraced it and travels around all the autograph shows and stuff like that. Wow. Happy to find fake jam stuff. Good for her. You know, because if you think about it, like, look, let's just call it what it is. You could make an argument, okay, that Jan was kind of like, you know, the least popular of all six of them in terms of like, she always was whining. She was the typical middle kid. Like, I had no problem with her, but you could make that argument. And so then to think that she's the only one that actually has a fake a fake person there's a fake jen out there and then the best well, part she, is she isn't the only she is not the only oh one. okay educate me please susan olsen was not in a very pretty christmas okay she was off on her honeymoon at the time um and jennifer runyon from charles in charge yes uh, i think she was also on a soap opera and stuff but uh she filled in for fake susan Cindy. olsen in a very brady christmas and then two years later in the brady's uh, which was a six-hour, six-episode drama, Maureen McCormick 
uh, was actually just having her her uh, first child at that point and didn't want to be part of the show or couldn't be part of the show or whatever. Okay. So Leah Ayers came in and filled the role of Marsha. Wow. So all, all of the girls have been replaced over the years. That is so interesting. But, I did not know that. But Jerry Reichel is the one that definitely embraces it the most yep. and coined the term fake Jan. And Hey, why not? You know what I mean? If you've got it, <laughs> run with it. Um, all right. That's right. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, Jan is part of the next question. So it's a perfect segue. So there's so many catchphrases that I, I'm sure we're not. When they, when they were penned for the show, nobody thought in 50 years people will still be saying this, but yet they hold up. You know, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha <laughs> is one of my favorite. Something came up, you know, uh, oh, my nose. I mean, just to name a few, I could go on and on. Do you have a personal favorite catchphrase from the show? I don't know about catchphrase, but my favorite quote from the show is, a wise man forgets his anger before he lies down to sleep. Who said that? It comes. Uh, Mr. Brady said that to uh, Marsha uh, in the episode where she, uh, Father of the Year. Okay. Where she pens the, the letter to the local newspaper saying what a great dad um, Mike Brady is. Oh, yeah. Um, the, the scene that that, epi- that quote comes from, she's in his den writing the letter and stuff. No. Oh. And gets caught after bedtime being up and being in dad's den and all that other stuff. And a thing of whiteout gets knocked over on his drafting table and gets smeared all over his stuff. And, of course, he's really angry. (laughs) He's really angry. And, of course, you're not not supposed to go to bed angry. And that that quote has just always stuck with me as a good rule of thumb in any relationship that don't go to bed angry. Make sure that you've aired your grievances and worked out your problems with your loved one. Yeah. You know what? There's a lot of wisdom to that. Mike Brady, a poet and a prophet. Speaking of Mike Brady, speaking of Robert Reed specifically, I also read that um, he took the entire family, you know, the, the Brady, his fake family, if you will, on a vacation on the QE2 for a week and paid for it all himself just to, you know, hey, come on, let's have some fun, guys. I mean, it seems like, even you know, obviously he was a good dad on the show. Clearly, he never got mad. He never seems like he never missed, made a mistake, really. Um, but it also seems like off the camera, and you know, in real life, he was a really nice guy too. So you know, obviously, there was a, there's a big bond there. I know him and Barry Williams were really close, and obviously, you know, Mrs. Brady, Florence Henderson was was close as well. So um, but they were all very close to Robert Reed, uh, yeah. and. He has certainly been missed, the, the fact that he's been gone now for 30 years. Wow. Crazy. Um, but, yes, he uh, did take everybody to uh, England on the QE2, and they all have very fond memories of that trip. And he also gave them little miniature uh, cameras oh. with, with uh, like, movie reel-type cameras. I think they were 35-millimeter cameras or whatever. And that gift to Mike Lookland in particular, Bobby Brady, started him in wanting to become a cameraman and learning the other side of things. And he went on to be a cameraman for many, many years, worked on Touched by an Angel, worked on Promised Land, all of those type shows that are based in Utah. 
Wow. And he met his he met his wife on Touch by an Angel. She was a writer for the show. That um, but but that, that camera, that gift from Robert Reed started him, started Mike on his lifelong career for a good 20 or 30 years after the show. Positive impacts now, on life. That's what it's all about. It is. Yeah. He actually now makes decorative countertops. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, so- he uh, makes cement vanities and benches and stuff like that. But that, that is his profession and hobby these days. So there's a rumor that I want you to either validate or or you can say that's that's rubbish. So I, I heard a rumor that he, at one point in time, years ago, um, was a Grateful Dead enthusiast and went on the road and toured with the dead. Is that true or false? I can definitely verify that he is a huge Grateful Dead uh, fan. Okay. Whether he toured with, Whether he toured with the group, I do not know. But I also know that his Don't son yep. is part of a cover band uh, today, and that Mike has played with his son's Grateful Dead cover band as recently as like two years ago. That is amazing. So first of all, I'm so glad that that's true because I heard that. I'm like, ah, that can't be true. Um, and it's cool <laughs> that he's still in the music now and, and his child is as well. That's so awesome. Um, all right. Here's a controversial question for you. So. In addition to all of the, you know, um, sequels and, and various shows and reunion shows, the Variety Hour, the Brady Brides, all that stuff, there was also a couple of movies that were made um, that were less in the spirit of, hey, this is the Brady Bunch, and more in the spirit of um, what would happen if the Brady Bunch lived in modern-day L.A.? And I forget the year, I think it was like, you know, maybe the early 2000s or late 90s. I forget when they came out, but there was a, a full length movie and it was like all different actors and it was kind of like tongue in cheek, um, trying to be funny. And I want to get a sense from you as a huge Brady Bunch fan, like, what is your feeling on those movies? Do you feel like they're disrespectful to the show or do you feel like anything to do with the Brady Bunch, even if it's kind of like, I don't want to call it a parody because it, it wasn't. They trade, you know, it's like they stayed true to character. Like they even, I think Marsha even broke her nose in one of those movies. What is your feeling on those movies? I, I still use the word parody, but um, okay. the, the original Brady Bunch movie came out on February 17th, 1995. I know that because it was my 25th birthday, oh, wow. which I think is amazing. Um, the uh, Fairy Brady sequel came out a year later in 1996. Okay. They also released a movie later on called The Brady Bunch in the White House. Went straight to DVD. I do not recommend it. It's a really, really bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> but the original two that most people are familiar with that were in the theater, again, did make fun of the show. And it, it was. I think the first one was a lot of fun because, again, the original actors made cameos in it. And it, it was just a, a fun look back at the show itself and it, it would be funny to have them living their 70s lives in the 90s right which is what the show is doing uh did they jump the shark in a very brady sequel in some cases uh obviously there was a lot of undertone going on between marcia and greg and is there more than just a brother sister relationship going on and of course when uh, yeah. roy martin brought in mushrooms and we're tripping with the brady's at dinner good lord getting with his mushrooms and stuff yeah, they, they may have taken it a little too far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, they took it way too far when they went to the the White House. But it, it's fun. It's part of the history. Um, a couple of years earlier than that, there was a, a stage version called the Real Life Brady Bunch. Okay. That w- was created by the Annoyance Theater in Chicago. Again, it, it was more of a parody. They took the original scripts from the show and did them on stage, but accentuated everything. Like Jan would flip her hair really wide as opposed to a gentle rock as Eplum would walk. And <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the exaggerations you saw in the movie. Picture it now. Yeah. Almost came from this play that was done in the early '90s in Chicago. Oh, that's so funny. And they took that on the road, and it went national, and it was in L.A. and D.C. and all the big cities and stuff. And yep. it, like I said, it was just the original script done on stage, but just with a little more accent on making it funny. I love it. All right, so so uh, let's talk about a character that was only on eight episodes, but was in every single season, and most everyone that knows the show knows him, but was, again, only actually on screen eight times, and that's Sam the Butcher. Now, Sam the Butcher, his name has been uh, sung in a Beastie Boys song, Um, (laughs) many jokes about Sam and and Alice, Um, but I guess my question for you, in your professional opinion, was there another character that made such a big impact in such a small amount of screen time? Well, obviously there was Cousin Oliver. Oh, my goodness. We're getting to Cousin Oliver. My favorite topic. Yes. (laughs) Well, again, going back to Alan Melvin and Sam Franklin, the the, the butcher. Yeah. Again, most people are surprised to hear that he was only on and seen for eight episodes. He was referred to in a lot more of those episodes, obviously but not actually seen. So it was as though he had been there for the entire five seasons. Uh, it almost is equivalent of Tiger. Obviously, Tiger disappeared in the first season, but he was referenced throughout the five seasons. But yeah. you never saw him again. Right. But yes, Alan Melvin was, uh, Sam the Butcher was a, a very big part of the show uh, because he was obviously Alice's boyfriend and went on to actually get married when it came to the Brady Bride oh, is many that years right? later. Okay. Yeah. When Jan and Marsha are uh, getting their their dresses fitted and stuff for the wedding, and uh, Alice is helping them with stuff, and they're talking about how she's a newlywed. Um. So yes, they eventually got married, even though we didn't actually see the the wedding or anything. Interesting. Um. So you just mentioned Tiger, and I, I got to give a shout out to Tiger because again, I it was kind of fun getting ready for this interview because I didn't want to come in like I. You know, I'm go. I'm talking to the foremost expert on the show. I've got to have. I got to do my homework. So what I <laughs> what I thought was really interesting about Tiger was that, you know, they had him on the first season, and then something happened. The original dog got hit by a car and killed. So they brought this other dog in, but the other dog was like biting everybody. So then they like kicked the dog off the TV, and they were just like, "Well, there'll be a dog, but we'll just never see the dog. We'll just talk about the fact that we have a dog." But there's never a dog. It's like they were the worst pet owners because normally dog people, their dogs are right next to them all the time. First of all, did I get that right? Is that true? Yes, that is true. That wow. the original dog uh, got hit by, a, I think, a bread truck on the Paramount lot. And the trainer uh, slash owner of the dog 
didn't want to lose his gig, so he like went to the local town and got another dog that looked just like Tiger and tried to play him off. Oh my god! And of course, the dog was not well trained, and it happened to be the episode where uh, Jan was allergic to a flea powder, and they were going to be giving Tiger away because they thought Jan was allergic to Tiger. Oh my god! And there's a scene when they're saying goodbye to him and stuff, and the dog was just completely unruly. So the story goes that they actually took his collar and almost nailed it to the floor so the dog wouldn't leave the scene. <laughs> oh um, and then at, at, when they when the owner finally confessed about the fact that it wasn't the real tiger, it was just, okay, we're going to get rid of tiger and you'll see his doghouse and we'll talk about him and stuff like that as though tiger is still around. Uh, there was one episode, uh, one or two episodes later on that Tiger does show up, but he's seen running around like when he ran away and they were, they have a reward out for him and all that other stuff, wow. but you never really saw a tiger. You just saw a dog running down the streets and things like that. So yes, Tiger went away and was never to be heard from again. He's a fake tiger. <laughs> fake tiger. A fake, yeah, fake tiger. Uh, well, okay. So here's, here's a, a serious question. So you are, let's pretend that you are not only a Brady Bunch expert, but you are a world-renowned acting critic. Um, now, looking at everybody on the show, you'd have to say, you know, let's take Robert Reed out of it. I think he'd probably be in the top of this list. But let's just talk about the kids. Out of the six kids, which one, in your opinion, had the best acting skills they all brought something different to the table, but I think it's fair to say that they weren't all at the same level in terms of being a good actor. So who was the best actor out of the kids? Uh, you're putting me on the spot here. Yes, I am. <laughs> um, we're going with the best actor. Best actor. Oh, I would have probably have to say you plump. Is that right? Okay. I want to hear why. Because, uh, because again, she has definitely gives you the sense that she is what we now know as middle child syndrome and plays that off very well um, to where your audience feels sorry for her in some cases and True. actually roots for her in others, depending on what the situation encompasses for being the middle child and um, but also it could be super annoying, right? And sometimes you were just annoyed with yeah, her, right? You weren't, but that's all she portrayed that very well. Interesting. Okay. Uh, where Marsha was basically always up, always cheerful, really didn't have to do your emotional spectrum that Eve Fun did. Very. You know what? You've changed my mind. I was going to say Christopher Guest, but after hearing your answer, I'm changing mine to Eve Plum, because that is a very good point, because I do remember different times thinking, you know, poor Jan, or, oh my God, I can't believe she did that, or, you know, I want her to win, um, and Marsha never had to worry about a goddamn thing. Like, Marsha's <laughs> life was so charmed. She was just, it was always great, right? And was it Eve Plum, was it Jan that had the fake boyfriend, George Glass? Yeah. Okay, so here's a funny story. Um, so... <laughs> This is how much Brady Bunch was a part of me and my siblings' life growing up. So I've got a girlfriend, and she, I've been with her for four or five years now. But at the beginning, 
she was supposed to come up and meet my family. Well, the first, the first two or three times she was supposed to come up and meet everybody, she was, you know, something something came up, right? She was sick or or something at work happened, and she couldn't make it. So by the third time, my sister, God love her, said, um, "What's your name?" Georgia, Georgia Glass, <laughs> and so. <laughs> they still call her Georgia to this day because of that scene, the Buried Bunch with, uh, and, and I love the way, because she was looking at a quarter, if I'm not mistaken, and there was a glass of water. She was like, George, George Glass. Um, so the best actress, Eve Plum. You're familiar with, obviously, the uh, the pop heads, the fungo heads, or whatever those are called. Yeah, oh yeah. Every Every TV show has them now, every actor has one oh, obviously sure. all of the Brady have one okay Jan's box is a double wide box and there is a big hole next to her in the box that says it's the Jan Brady and George Glass <laughs> that's awesome I, I almost need to go buy one um, <laughs> that is really cool um, all right we are down to our last three questions the last one's going to be the easiest I promised so this is kind of an unfair question, and it's, it's, it would be totally unfair for me to say, okay, what's your favorite episode? That would be hard. But there is a – Actually, mon- it's Father of the Year. Oh, my goodness. Would you look at that? Okay, well, then it's not so, so <laughs> unfair. But I was going to make it even easier for you, and I was going to say, all right, Mount Rushmore is a national monument. There were four president uh, heads up there in, in one of the Dakotas. And it, what I'd like to ask on the show sometimes is – you know, people's area of expertise, like what their Mount Rushmore is of blank. So in this case, I already know the answer to one of them, but you had to pick your Mount Rushmore of episodes. One would be Father of the Year. Love that. Uh, what would the other three be? Oh, wow. Okay, my <laughs> top four episodes. Um, I've always been a big fan of the Cincinnati Kids. Uh, again, I now live in Ohio, so it, it adds to it. But um, for the reason that it was a fun episode, it got him out of the the studios. I enjoy roller coasters, uh, so oh, I, I I've always been now. a big fan yep. of the Cincinnati kids when they go to Kings Island in Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Barry was actually just there last weekend, helping them celebrate their fiftieth oh. anniversary. Uh, their big fireworks display that they're going to be running for the next two years is going to be narrated by Barry. He's everywhere. So you're going, to, yeah, he is. It the, the Bradys are everywhere. They they won't go away. There's always something new in the works. I love it. Uh, the latest thing is, the latest thing in the works is the Brady Bunch musical produced by Lloyd and Hope Sherwood. No or, way. Yeah, Lloyd and Hope Schwartz. Excuse me. Um, they have been trying to get that off the ground now for the last three or four years, but of course, COVID kind of stop them in their tracks yep yep but that is that is the next thing coming in the world of brady's will be the brady bunch musical very cool uh there is uh anyways back to my the next episode um i kind of like a room at the top where they're fighting over the attic (laughs) i love that one too that's great oh my god again another fun fun episode where uh you're you're doing the, the whole sibling fighting and getting along and stuff like that. Yeah. And one of the funny things about that episode where it doesn't have consistency through the, the five seasons is back when Greg turned dad's den into his great pad, they talked about the attic, but 
somebody, uh, Carol, made a uh, mention of that fact that it would be a problem because the attic is only two and a half feet tall, as though oh. it was a crawl space. And then, of course, by season five, all of a sudden, it's an attic that everybody can walk around in, and you can turn a bedroom into it. Well, but, Mike was an architect, so, I mean, you know, if anybody yeah. could make that happen, it'd be Mike Brady. <laughs> it just shows you great uh, TV consistencies. That's Nobody right. ever thought that we'd be picking it apart and going into reruns and being able to catch little things like that. Uh, another good episode. Uh, the one where uh, Peter and Greg go on a double date and uh, Peter plays Phil Packer and has this fake mustache. And- <laughs> I had forgotten all about that till you just said it. Oh, my God, that was priceless. And Greg, that's right, they went to a drive-in, right? Uh, that, no, they actually went to a pizza place oh, a pizza and place, ended okay. up running into mom, dad, and dad's clients. Oh, my God. Love it. Why can't they make TV like that anymore? Honestly. I agree. Honestly. I mean, it's just so, so fun and so simple. All right. We're down to our last two questions. And this is the one that I've been dying to ask you about. Um, Because this is the one that, you know, I think that it's a lightning rod. So, Cousin Oliver. Everyone knows, you know, you mentioned Jump the Shark earlier. That's when Fonzie does the, does the, the jet, the water skis over a shark. And that was kind of the end of, of Happy Days. And a lot of people pin the death of the show on Cousin Oliver because they were trying to, like, keep interest in the show. They brought a new kid in out of nowhere. And he just happened to look like John Denver in a miniature form who was, just happened to be, like, the top, you know, musician of the time. I guess in your opinion, as a student and expert in the show, do you think that Cousin Oliver got a bad rap? Do you think that the the ill will towards Cousin Oliver was well-deserved? Or is it somewhere in the middle and it's just, hey, that show was going to die anyway, and they just happened to bring in this guy at the end, so it's easy to pin the blame on him. So where do you stand think- on the Cousin Oliver debate? I think Cousin Oliver got a bad rap. Okay. Um, because we talked about this earlier, uh, about the fact that the five-year contract was coming up. Sherwood right. Schwartz and Robert Reed were fighting. Uh, all these other reasons that the show was going to end anyways. And usually when a show goes about bringing in the younger child, whether it's the little boy on Family Ties or... Uh, the little girl on Growing Pains and all these other shows that try to add kids to the family when the show was kind of losing its appeal and it was on its way out. It never worked. You know, so there are several examples of them trying, at least. Same thing with Cousin Oliver. At this point, Bobby and Cindy, the cute little kids that they started out with, are now five years older. They're right. teenagers. You're losing your under 10 demographic. So they bring in Cousin Oliver as opposed to bringing a baby into the mix, which all these <laughs> yeah. other shows tried to do. Imagine Marshall. So I think, I think, well, again, it would have been based on yours, mine, and ours, which is uh, a, a whole different topic of conversation right. based on the Lucille Ball and Henry Fonda movie of yours, mine, and ours. But it would have been a baby of Mike and Carol's, and that would have been too far south. So, like I said, they brought in Oliver, who was 
probably nine or ten at the time to try to add that new cute factor. And yes, he looked like a little miniature John Denver. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he is not the reason the show ended. The show is ending anyways. Vindication. Vindication for Cousin Oliver. Somewhere out there, Cousin <laughs> Oliver is smiling. Um, yes. All right. So we are down to the last question. And as promised, it's the easiest one. Tell the good folks and the listening audience uh, obviously, they can go to BradyWorld.com, but tell them more about the TV appearance that you mentioned earlier. Uh, collector's Call on MeTV. It, air, yeah, it airs on MeTV on 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, airs on Sunday nights. Uh, it's in its third season. It's a great show. It goes around America. It actually goes around the world. It's not just America. Yep. Looking for people's collections, whether it's Star Trek, Star Wars. Uh, Wonder Woman, Doctor Who. These are just some of the ones that I've recently watched. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, but they're coming to my house. Um, I ho- I'm hoping very soon. Yeah, my episode should be airing in the next few weeks, if not this week. Um, and you will see my collection. We'll have Lisa hosting it. Uh, we have an expert that comes in and appraises my collection. Fun. We talk about five or six pieces. Uh, that are obviously baked to the collection. And it, it, it was an amazing experience of having them here and doing the filming. And I look forward to sharing my collection with the world. I love it. That's great. And are you on Twitter? Can people find you on Twitter, Facebook? Where else can they find you? Uh, I am on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Oh, cool. What's your uh, Instagram handle? Instagram, I think, is Brady Bunch World. Both. Twitter and Facebook is just Brady World. Awesome. Well, if you could see the audience here, you'd be blown away. They all have big, huge flags with the Brady Bunch's face in that, you know, Rubik's Cube kind of like six thing. They're all cheering. Um, this interview was everything that I had hoped it would be. Um, you set me straight on a couple of things. Um, I learned a ton. And your knowledge is, in fact, second to none. I thank you so much for your time, for being on the show. Everybody go check out BradyWorld.com. Wendy, thank you so much. I really do appreciate your time. And thank you for having me. Awesome. Have a great night. You too. Take care.